0: And that concept triggers a lot of people because a lot of people will immediately backlash and say, what are you talking about? I don't hate myself. I don't have any self-hatred. But it relates to blame and shame that ultimately comes down to I'm not good enough. So for example, um, I hate myself or you know, um, I hate my neighbor. And we're taught the golden rule is the number one rule to heal is that we have to learn to love ourselves.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of the Radiant Wellness Club podcast. This podcast offers guidance and tips on how to awaken your radiance from the inside out. Discover and learn from experts, teachers, and practitioners about anything and everything to do with radiant health, relationships, psychology yoga, emotions, and how to awaken your soul. In this episode, I speak with my very own family, my Auntie Annette. This is the sister of my father. I remember I always looked up to my aunt growing up because she had a more kind of unique uh, life and she was always kind of around the world traveling and she was definitely unlike anyone in my family. And for that, I was somehow drawn to what she was up to and always wanted to know more about her. She was a model and an actress, and I remember admiring her photos when I was a child. And then later, when I was a teenager, I discovered that she was a yoga teacher, which was this mysterious and intriguing thing that seemed so unusual. Uh, But it also, I could tell even at that time that there was some depth to this idea of being a yoga teacher. Even at that age and at that time, way before yoga was popular, when you thought of yoga at that time, or at least when I thought of yoga, I thought immediately of spirituality and of India, and of course also of doing these weird shapes that were so unpopular at the time. I also thought of having wisdom in some way that I associated with being a yoga teacher. I remember at that time, actually I must have been maybe... 14 or something like that and i was really struggling with asthma and she came to me and she put me in fish pose and told me it was good for my asthma and that was her prescription when i was 16 she told me to write a letter to my ovaries at the time i was having some menstrual cycle issues and it completely healed and brought my body into balance within a few days and it was quite astounding because I had been struggling for six months and ever since that time when I was a teenager we would just pour our hearts out to one another and really share our deepest truths so I'm going to let her introduce herself Um, please check out what she's doing especially if you happen to be a nurse or if you know one pass on her website which is yoganurse.com she's actually starting a new program a new teacher training which is something new that she's doing And it's sparking a lot of interest in the world. So go check that out, yoganurse.com. In this episode, she tells us about three ways to cope when in desperate times. So when you're feeling lost or sad or frustrated or anxious or heartbroken or desperately anything, Take into consideration these strategies, maybe even just one of them will resonate with you and let them guide you so that you can steer yourself into a different direction. Here is my conversation with my yogini, Auntie Annette. For me, you've always been my go-to person who has um, been able to really get to the heart of any matter and any difficult moment or um, moment where I was really struggling in life. You're you're that person that I call and you are a person who is capable of giving so much wisdom. And so I'm really looking forward to all of your wisdom bombs. And so today we're going to be talking about three ways to cope when you're in desperate straits. First of all, though, before we start, I would love for you to do a little bit of a self introduction. So, just to tell us a little bit about your experience with yoga and wellness and um, what you are currently working on.
0: That could take an hour, that could take up the whole podcast. (laughs) Okay, so I uh, started my life as a model and an actress. And uh, the last thing in the world I ever wanted to do was become a nurse. But 30 years later, because I had a lot of suffering, I started to get very serious about uh, yoga. I've been practicing yoga since I was 17 years old. It's more than 50 years now. Do the math. I uh, became successful teaching yoga after taking yoga helped me with my suffering. And then when I was studying yoga at the Kripalu Yoga Center, I met a brilliant doctor by the name of Deepak Chopra. That's back in the 90s. He was introducing the topic of Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga. He absolutely blew my mind, Rochelle, and I was determined to become a student. I wanted to become a student of Ayurveda. I wanted to become a serious student of yoga. I wanted to become a healer. And so I went on to study with Deepak Chopra. I became a certified Ayurvedic educator and when i was studying with him i met all these doctors and nurses and i started to have all of these fantasies and talk to these nurses and i thought to myself oh my god these nurses if i was a nurse and a yoga teacher i would be able to really reach a a massive population anyway fast forward within two years at the age of 51 which is insane I uh, went on, I graduated with honors. I became a registered nurse. I have been practicing nursing and teaching yoga for almost uh, 30 years. That's insane. And I am the founder of the Yoga Nurse Model of Care, which is the union of the ancient wisdom of yoga with the science of modern nursing. And I have been... Uh, doing trainings and teachings to thousands of nurses, certifications, online e-courses, trademarked the name Yoga Nurse in 2006 and have been going strong with the Yoga Nurse Model of Care for 14 years. And that wraps up my intro. (laughs) Is that
1: okay? That's perfect. And I remember being at your graduation when you graduated as a nurse. Oh, my
0: God, right. I have pictures. Aw.
1: Okay, so exactly as you said, you've been helping thousands of people, and I know that a lot of people look up to you because I've spoken to lots of people that have known you, and I know that you're a wisdom source and teacher for many people. And so what would you say, just to kind of dive right into it, because this time, as we all know, is a difficult time or a you could say a desperate time for many people, especially it depends on where you live, but I, you live in the States and I know that this, in the States it's it's definitely a tough go right now for a lot of people. Um, and so can you give us some guidance or some tips or some tools to utilize during this difficult time?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Difficult time. And uh, you know, the first thing that comes up for me, Rochelle it, it's hard even to say the word for me, virus, the virus, Mm -hmm. you know, the virus for me is like the boogeyman. Everybody's afraid of the boogeyman now that's going to knock on your door. And, you know, everybody's staying away from people because the other person can be the boogeyman, the metaphor for the enemy. But really The virus, as I see it or hear about it, is a four-letter word. It's creating a four-letter word, and that's fear. So the real virus, it's a virus of fear. And uh, before I go into the strategies or the ways, I just want to expand on the topic of the virus of fear. Is that okay with you?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Okay. So the virus, and because I have a science background and I have been practicing, uh, just actually retired from working at the hospital, at my local hospital, one of my duties was an infection control. I was an infection control nurse. I am an infection control nurse. So I work with all of the sources still, on the centers of disease control, on viruses. And we know that the world is trying to come up with um, a solution. So when I think about a virus and I add it to my training in consciousness, so we take science and then we take spirituality and quantum physics, as I understand Everything has consciousness. Everything that is in this so-called world or virtual world or so-called reality has consciousness. We have consciousness. We're conscious thinking beings. And I was taught by great teachers that even a rock, even a stone has consciousness. Mm -hmm. So that's according to yoga. Okay, I'm talking according to yoga. You don't have to believe this. I'm just sharing according to yoga, the philosophy. So according to yoga, everything has consciousness. So if everything has consciousness, a virus, which is a living cell entity, also would have consciousness. Which means the virus, the coronavirus, it has life and it wants to live. So it's fighting for its life. It doesn't want to get wiped out. So part of this whole challenge is learning how to live our scientific community, our world, is to how to live with bacteria and viruses that we have been trying to wipe out with antibiotics, Anti antibiotic. Antibio means against life. In other words, an antibiotic is something that kills, that eradicates a virus. So I know I'm going way out there, but the fact of the matter is, I think we have to look at how we can live, how we can learn how to live with viruses in a more conscious way. And that's, what I want to talk about, the ways that I want to talk about, is to live with the virus that also wants to live, that eventually is going to peter out, because that's the pattern of viruses. And in the meantime, how your listeners can have some ways that they can deal with the dire straits around the fear of this virus. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, okay, go ahead. Tell us about the first way.
0: All right. So the first way is the way that just about every spiritual teacher, mentor, or practitioner in the world suggests, and that's meditation. And meditation in itself can raise fear, especially for people that are afraid to meditate, or they don't want to meditate, or they resisted meditating. However, there are so many different ways to meditate. And I want to introduce uh, meditation today that I believe a lot of people can benefit from. And that is little known, that is called The I am heart meditation, the I am heart meditation. So if you can picture this, and depending on where you are, if you have access to a pencil and a piece of paper, and you wanna follow along and use a pencil and a piece of paper, great. And if you don't, you can just follow along and have an imaginary pencil, an imaginary piece of paper in your head and in your mind. hmm
1: okay. I have my pen and a piece of paper.
0: Okay, okay. So actually, we can do this together. Okay. Rochelle, and if you feel comfortable to share what comes up when you actually do it, maybe your listeners will be able to relate to some of your responses, and it'll also help them to come up with their own, which, of course, will be private. Is that okay?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Okay. So I want you to draw a heart on the paper. Draw just a simple heart. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the heart, I want you to write the words, I am, in all capitals. I am in capitals, inside the heart. Mm
1: -hmm. Tell me
0: when you've done that. I'm done. Okay. And then I want you to uh, draw, I don't know, uh, maybe four or five arrows that are coming from the heart. So draw five arrows going around the heart that come out of the heart. Do you follow me? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, at the end of one arrow, any arrow on the heart, I want you to add a word there that you're possibly feeling these days or have felt that comes up. I'll give you some ideas or that you feel about your life or frustrations or whatever. So for example, at the end of one arrow, you could put frustrated, sad, afraid, uh, angry.
1: Do they have to be all negative things or can it just be whatever is coming?
0: Um, I want you to focus on things that are more negative, because we're talking about fear that are related to fear. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to help you and your listeners a little bit. You could expand it. It doesn't even have to be just a word. It can be an expression. Um, Afraid that I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. Okay. 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 Afraid that I'm not going to have enough money to pay my rent. We've got to get very specific. Okay. okay? Afraid my boyfriend is going to dump me. You know, we got to get hardcore here. Okay. Afraid I'm going to be stuck in this job that I hate for the rest of my life. You get the idea. We got to get juicy.
1: All right. I'm not sure I'm going to want to share all of these. (laughs)
0: We can make them up. I'll make them up. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well,
1: do I have, I have a couple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with a couple.
1: Okay. This isn't that specific. I do like the, I'm afraid I will be alone forever. Um, I also wrote, I will be stuck. I'm not sure if that's specific enough, but just the feeling of stuckness, you know, it could manifest in so many different ways, that feeling of stuckness. Um. I'm afraid I am struggling.
0: Let's just stay with the first ones. Let's roll back to the first ones. Okay. Well, I am
1: struggling I'm financially. I am I'm a, I'm afraid I will struggle financially.
0: Okay. Struggling financially. Okay. Mm-hmm. Struggling financially. And and I'm afraid I will be stuck between a rock and a hard place. Is that not specific enough? No, because You know, what does that mean? So then I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place, which means that I really maybe want to move from where I'm living right now, but I won't be able to because I'm stuck here, because I can't afford to move where I really want to. Then that's specific. But stuck between a rock and a hard place doesn't give me anything emotional that i can relate to about your situation does does that make sense mm-hmm. so yeah what's at the end of the arrow we want it to be as specific as possible okay. so should we start with
1: i'm afraid i'll be alone and i am afraid i will be i will struggle financially
0: yeah okay. yeah okay so let's just pick up those two Arrows, <clears throat> Rochelle. I'm afraid that I'm going to be alone, or I'm afraid that I'm going to struggle financially. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and in, in the I am heart meditation, what we want to do right now, I'd like you to remove or scratch out what is on the end of those arrows. Remove them. Okay. Strike through or whatever. And I want you to just focus on. What is in the heart? Just on the I am. I am. I am. Just for a few moments. Your listeners can do that with me. Even if they haven't done the exercise... They can relate. You can relate, listener. So I'm going to explain a little bit before we come back to the I am. Just breathing in, I am. Breathing out, I am. So now, the rationale for why this I am meditation can be helpful is that we want to focus strictly on the heart, the heart of I am, which is where there is peace, the I am that I am, the great I am that I am, versus the thinking and the conjecture, which is attached to the I am. So for example, I am afraid that. Whatever I am afraid of, afraid of this, afraid of that, afraid that I'm gonna be stuck, afraid that I'm gonna be alone, afraid that I'm not gonna have enough money, afraid that I'm gonna struggle, afraid that I'm gonna be stuck, you know, in this dead-end job, afraid that I'm gonna be stuck with this husband, afraid that I'm gonna, be stuck in the thinking that I'm not good enough because the underlying most common thought according to the great teachers and mentors and Louise Hay and philosophers and psychologists, whether they're spiritual or they're scientific, is that people are afraid ultimately that they're not good enough, that self-hatred is the underlying. But bottom line, it's all afraid that I'm not good enough. Afraid of this, afraid of that, that I am afraid. The point I'm making is, is that we cut like a knife we cut everything that starts to come up in the thinking mind after the two words, I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For me, it's
1: very powerful. For me, I can definitely tune into that. Also in Kundalini Yoga, they have this I am meditation. Um, And I know that who's the team, remind me of the name of this Indian teacher that you normally study or that you, Um,
0: self-inquiry Ramana Maharshi he also teaches this right correct that is the meditation in the practice of yoga called self-inquiry which is one of the most challenging meditations however it's also one of the most powerful as you just Felt, Rochelle, the I am. So we just keep coming back to the I am. So in other words, in another simple way, is instead of going out there in the story, in the fear story, we stay here, stay here in the I am, stay in the love story. And that's the practice that we're constantly catching ourselves, spinning out. And I'm the same. I do the same thing. You know, I'm practicing the lessons that I need to learn the most. But after studying a thousand and one styles of meditation, at the end of the day, for me, the I am heart meditation is the one that helps me to stay in my heart, in the heart of love versus the heart of fear. So that's the very first way or strategy, if you will, that I'm sharing with your listeners.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful. It's very, very powerful. So would you say that in the moment where you're really feeling anxiety or fear, in that moment, just take a few minutes to do that?
0: Yeah, that's all well and good. If we remember to take a few minutes to do that. (laughs)
1: That's yeah, exactly. And then, would you say that, like, I mean, I know it's all a matter of like the habitual way of thinking, and if we're habitually oriented toward having fearful thoughts, it's a you know, it's almost that we need to reprogram ourselves. And so, would you say that this is the kind of thing that you would need to do regularly in order to get yourself out of this
0: habit of fearful thinking? Hell yeah. You nailed it. It's the programming. You know, we all come in with a certain program according to many teachings. I believe that, you know, that's a big point of discussion right there. But I also believe that we can change the program and that's what all of these practices about it's inserting a new program just like in your computer we're downloading a new program we're deleting the old program that does not serve and we're now uh, downloading a new program we're rebooting our consciousness we could say Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and is there a number of minutes that you recommend to do it start with one minute I remember when I first, you know, got serious about my yoga and meditation and all of that when I was 17. I didn't want to meditate. I didn't want to do that stuff. I just wanted, you know, to move my body. I didn't want to sit but when I first realized I needed to do something else and I saw and looked around at these people when I would go to yoga retreats and I saw people that were around me that were my age that could sit like champions with beautiful spines for an hour, it blew my mind because there was no way I could do that. I was a fuss budget. I thought that meditation was a waste of time. I wanted to spend my time thinking about all the stuff that I was afraid of, that I was stuck in. I was so stuck in my program. But I learned from a teacher, start with a minute, start with five minutes, start, just start.
1: Mm, I love that. Yes, I think that meditation is the most profound. I mean, for me, I just don't experience the same depth just through doing asana alone. The asana is truly a preparation to help you to kind of release any blocks, release any pent-up energy so that you can sit and that you have the, the ability to sit for, you know, whatever, maybe it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes, because that can be painful if your body is not ready for it, to be able to do these deeper practices. So thank you for sharing that. I love that meditation.
0: Yeah, yeah. For sure. And also, I totally relate um, and agree that the, the asana, the postures, the poses are the preparation so that we can sit. You know, that is essential for many people. On the other hand, depending on the audience, the age of the audience, the demographic, um, many places where I've meditated, they had chairs set up so that people were not comfortable to sit on the floor because it was agony for their back, whether they were 18 or they were 80. You don't have to sit on the floor with your legs crossed to meditate, right? Absolutely.
1: You could sit in your bed.
0: I do it all the time.
1: <laughs> With a couple pillows behind your back.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. In fact, I do it every day. That's my number one place to meditate is in my bed. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. And so what is the second way that you can tell our my listeners about how to cope when you are in
0: desperate straits? I'm a big, big fan of Louise Hay. Have you heard of Louise Hay? No, but I didn't know you were a
1: big fan of her. So that's okay. news. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, you know, darling, I've lived so long. <laughs> I've, I've had so many years under my belt that I go back a long time. so we have so many things that we can touch on, my dear Rochelle, including Louise Hay, you know, went under the radar. Because she's an old-time teacher. Mm-hmm. Louise Hay is like one of the people who was a pioneer in the self-help spiritual affirmation movement. I mean, she's the queen, the original affirmation queen. Mm-hmm. And her book, You Can Heal Your Life, is one of those books that, you know, that question, if you went on a desert island and you could only take one book?
1: Mm-hmm. That would
0: be yours? Well, it's one of them. You know, it's it's one of them. Okay. For sure. It's one of them. Okay. You know, it's hard to pin it down to one, but yeah, it would certainly be one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when I revisit it, which I did recently, you know, thirty, forty years later from when I first was turned on to Louise Hay, the great news, it's better now than it was the first time around. Tell us a little bit
1: about what's inside this book for anyone who who's not familiar with Louise Hay.
0: Okay, so Louise Hay is the uh, author of many, many books, and also uh, she's the founder of Hay House, which is the publisher of many of the greatest self-help and spiritual books in the world today. And her book, You Can Heal Your Life, was a pioneering book based on the power of affirmations and the power of positive psychology. So she really united psychology, psychological concepts um, with affirming and spiritual concepts and really actually even taking powerful prayers, but making them so that the masses could relate without it sounding preachy or sounding like it was coming from a Bible for people that had psychological traumas that might have been related to a religious background. So she made a book that became mainstream, that it didn't matter what your background was. And uh, that was her power in the power of affirmations. Does that kind of sum it up a little so is it
1: also I remember from what I know about it for example if you have certain pains in your body you can I know that she has one book I'm not sure if it's the same book where for example if you have knee pain in your right knee that she relates it to a specific um, emotion and then she gives you an affirmation for that specific
0: area is that true you're exactly right my dear Rochelle yeah. and it's in that book in that book towards the end of the book every you know disease process that you can think of she has an affirmation that relates to that part of the body or disease process so for example resentment resentment's a big one and um According to Louise Hay, now again, this is according to Louise Hay. I'm not saying it's absolute truth. According to Louise Hay, uh, resentment relates to cancer. So cancer, people that get cancer, according to Louise, they suffer from a tremendous amount of resentment. So she would have an affirmation for resentment, you know, a one line about resentment. But the underlying cause of suffering according to louise comes back to i talked about this before um, in the i am meditation i refer to it according to louise is the most common complaint with the psychologist that it drills down to is i'm not good enough That we all, most of us, mere mortals, if we really, really drill down when we're in our truth, in our phase of suffering, is that I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. And that is related to self-hatred, according to Louise Hay. And that concept triggers a lot of people because a lot of people will immediately backlash and say, what are you talking about? I don't hate myself. I don't have any self-hatred. Mm-hmm. But with Louise, her book goes deeper into it. You know, we don't have time to explain all of that. This is a recommendation, but it relates to blame and shame that ultimately comes down to I'm not good enough. So, for example, um, I hate myself or, you know, um, I hate my neighbor. And we're taught the golden rule is the number one rule to heal is that we have to learn to love ourselves. The number one rule to heal is we have to learn to love ourselves but I asked this question and this is part of my work because I went through this I asked my spiritual teacher yeah that's all well and good but what if I don't love myself and what if I don't know how to love myself Mm -hmm. then what I don't love myself and guess what not only do I hate myself I hate my fucking neighbor too now you tell me how to fix that I hate my life. I don't have any friends. I'm alone. I'm going wild here, Rochelle, as a metaphor for how people feel and think at different times in their life. Not always, but most people have these thoughts at some point. So, how do we deal with that? We deal with that with the meditation, the I am heart meditation. That's my number one go to. And then we can go to affirmations. And Louise Hay's number one affirmation that she has everybody practice and she says, do this 400 times a day. Just start with this. Even if you don't believe it, start with, I approve of myself. 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 myself. And you do that as often as you can, 400 times a day. And then you add to that. I love and approve of myself. And then you look in a mirror and you say that. But I recognize that this technique is not for everybody, Rochelle. I am, however, here to share different ways. So I know that that's loaded. And that's what I have to say about that. Uh, way number two, Louise Hay, How to Heal Your Life. You can put that in, uh, you know, your sources with links so people can link to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I could definitely go deeper into that in terms of um, when you consciously say something to yourself, like I love myself or I accept, I accept myself. And you say it to the conscious mind versus to the subconscious mind the effects that that has and you know there's definitely some dispute out there that just by saying an affirmation consciously that it doesn't have as deep of an effect as feeling the feeling so saying the words is one thing and I know that there's two schools of thought and I'm not saying I believe in one or the other but for example with hypnotherapy there's this woman Marissa Peer and she's really into doing that repetitive, I am enough, I am enough, and you know, saying it until you're blue in the face, writing it on the mirror, writing it everywhere, looking at yourself and saying, I am enough, I am enough, I am enough. And then there's this other kind of school of thought that um, it's much more effective to feel the experience, so to feel what it's like to accept yourself is going to really make create that new patterning inside of yourself versus just saying the words but again i'm not sure if i believe one or the other i think words are powerful and when the subconscious mind hears the conscious mind saying something it's going to it's going to receive it so yeah i've i've definitely played around with that myself using some affirmations but most of the time i do it in a meditative you know experience rather than just like doing day-to-day things and saying things I would do it if I was meditating or yoga nidra and I would accompany it with some other kind of deeper experience so I can feel the words does that make sense
0: oh yeah You know, Rochelle, you have a lot of knowledge and mastery in this area. That's why I brought it up. You know, you are a hypnotherapist. So you understand this. Um, And I appreciate that neither of us, you know, from the perspective of your listeners, we're not saying that this is absolute truth. We're sharing our experience um, of, of what is helpful and what can work. And I do agree with you that for me, The affirmations and Louise Hay is wonderful, but it's a supplement. It's like, you know, taking vitamin C as a supplement, okay? Or vitamin D as a supplement. But if you really want to get to the core of the matter, you're going to go out in the sun and get the vitamin D directly from the sun. And so for me, that sun is meditation that's going to the son of the heart of the divine so to speak the son of the heart of truth whatever that is for you and so for me the i am meditation is the heart and the affirmations are a supplement to that
1: mm-hmm. i like the way you put that and yes i i think that you know everyone is different. And what works for one person may not work for someone else. And it also can be very much based on time. You know, it's like what used to work for me doesn't work for me anymore. Or, you know, at one point I didn't like something and now it's actually working. So it's like being open to it working for someone and not putting anything down. And if it's something helpful and heals and if it's something positive, then great. You know, we can use what works for us at any given moment. But I wanted to say one more thing, which is that I wanted to share my experience Um, when I first discovered, because, you know, in yoga a lot, when I first was into yoga, I, um, I could see that there was a lot of talking about, you know, be with what is there. And maybe that's a bit of a Buddhist perspective, to be with what is there. And I had done a lot of Buddhist kind of studying and went to a Buddhist retreat, and there's this being with reality, you know, being with the suffering, being with whatever is there and being open to whatever is there. And I had the greatest transformation when I understood that actually I can observe what's there, but then I can switch it. You know, it's like playing with the ability to shift your own emotions and not necessarily needing to be stuck in dark thoughts or dark, fears and worries and observing them and being like, okay, those are there. I'm not saying that you should spiritually bypass or bypass because I do think it's important to dig into what's there, but that also we have the capacity to kind of get ourselves out of those ruts by cultivating the opposite. And this for me was a huge, a very powerful discovery when I found that you can, you can shift your mood if you just take the time to do that and cultivate that.
0: Hear, hear. <laughs> I hear you. Okay, and what comes up for me there is you're saying, you know, you saw that it, you could be with it, this Buddhist pathway, observe it, and you could switch it out. And that was like a, an amazing aha. And that comes back to we can control Our thinking. It comes back to we've been taught over and over and over. The only thing that we really have control over is what we think. And what we think. Mm -hmm. Ourselves. Right. Ourselves, right, and how we think, but if we haven't been taught how to think and we haven't been given the techniques like the one that you experienced and described at that retreat, then we then we are stuck, so that's the purpose of your podcasts and your work, and my work is to help to give people ways to move beyond their fear, you know their uh, first chakra, existential fear. And move into love and self-love and ways to do that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. And what is the third way that you can teach us to cope with when you're in desperate straits?
0: Door number three coming right up. Okay, so let's open up door (laughs) number three.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did I tell everyone here that my aunt is also hilarious?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but it comes down to laughter. How many times has laughter saved us, my darling? We go into our our laughter fits, that's for sure. I have to say,
1: I am very happy that I was born into a family that knows how to laugh. (laughs) It's true. With my mom, with my dad, with you, we all can have our moments where we just crack up. It's a very beautiful thing, so I'm grateful. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. And we laugh so hard we cry. And our laughter is infectious. And there is a good virus, the virus of laughter. Yeah, you know, put that as a tweetable, darling, or however you know. Let's get into a virus of laughter, which is the best medicine. Okay, so, bar number three.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Now, this one we may start to laugh on, but I like this very much also as a supplement. And I use all of these three. These are my three go-to tools and that I'm, you know, sharing today with your listeners. So the number three is Hugh Lynn. Hugh Lynn is the gentleman who wrote a book, and now here we laugh, because I've never been able to pronounce it. Help me with this one, the ho-open, open, 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 oh. The ho-open, open, open, oh. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I know what you're, the the Hawaiian. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how to say it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but it's close enough okay i'm looking at it i know how to spell it it's ho open 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 oh it's h-o-o-p-n-o-p-o-n-o-n-o you get the idea (laughs) open 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 oh okay listeners try to repeat that so what is ho open 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 oh from the hawaiian Hulin? so uh Okay, that's a whole interesting story. You want to give the source to that because it came out of a study with prisoners and he came up with this technique that again helped to reprogram the negative thinking um, and also helping uh, with disease process and to help with healing. I'm not saying a cure, but to help with healing and just like Louise Hay. so. Here is the words for ho open open open. Oh. Uh, the order is slightly changed, however, I had them changed because it resonated a little bit better for me. But they are the words that Hugh Lin teaches. So, this is what we say when we're feeling lesser than when the I'm not good enough. The blame, the shame, the loneliness, the self-hatred, the fear—the fear, the fear virus—is invading us. This is what we say now. First of all, we say it to ourself, and we want to say it to a self that we can all picture now—that maybe is a five-year-old self, maybe an image of a picture of you when you were five. Mm-hmm. Take a moment to bring it up, or imagine yourself as a five-year-old. And I want us to all say this to our five-year-old self. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And we take a deep breath in and out on that one. And so we start with the self. Because according to the experts, the problem is a lack of love. The problem is a lack of self-love we don't know how to love ourselves therefore we can't extend the love to the world, to our neighbor, love thy neighbor as thyself so we have to come back to the self love and maybe we have to go back to when we were little and we apologize to our little self for getting lost along the way on love and how to love Mm
1: -hmm. I have a question Why do you think that so many people
0: are so hard on themselves? Oh, darling, we need another podcast to answer that. Yeah. Seriously. And I do have a reply for that immediately. But in essence, it comes down because I'm, you know, at heart, I'm a yogini. You know, I'm a yogini. I'm a practitioner of yoga. And the definition of yoga is union. To become one. And the true definition of yoga is to become one with our divinity, to become one with God. And according to yoga, the number one reason why we suffer, the answer to the questions that you just asked about the lack of love and how to love and the shame, blame, gain, and the fear, according to yoga, is our separation from God, our separation from our divinity, that that is the original sin. And the purpose of yoga is helping us to come back to realization, self-realization, enlightenment, the light bulb goes on, that our purpose is to realize that we are never alone, that we are love because the definition of Love is God. And yoga brings us into unity with God, which is the I am. I am. I am that I am accordingly. And I'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. My beloved niece. Thank you so much.
1: I know that so many people are going to get a lot out of this, and I'm very proud of you and that you're my family. And I really appreciate you coming onto this podcast.
0: Oh, Rochelle, I love you. And this was probably the most fun I've ever had in my interviews. The Tersini Tersini show. Love you. Love you. Love you. Thank love you. It.
1: Thank you. That was episode 11 with my very own Auntie Annette. So remember when you're feeling bad, however that manifests for you, you might be feeling fearful or down on yourself or anxious. I encourage you, especially if you've never done so much self-investigation or self-inquiry, to dig in and ask some questions. Why do I feel this way? What am I afraid of? And then you can do these three things. The powerful I am meditation, releasing all the fears that you connect to yourself and getting to the source of you at your essence. Allowing all of those fears, worries, and attachments to dissolve, even if temporarily. You'll notice that you begin to soften those attachments and those associations the more you do this kind of meditation. You can use powerful affirmations to switch your thinking and maybe even dig a little bit deeper and not only say the words, but feel the feelings. Check out the show notes for the resources with Louise Hay and the beautiful Ho Openopono, which is the Hawaiian practice of reconciliation and forgiveness. And you can use that practice to speak to your childhood self. There's one more thing I'd like to add, which is my go-to quick switch, which is the practice of gratitude. It's a simple thing to do that you can do very easily. Every day, where you just take a moment to remind yourself of three things you're grateful for. For some people, it's definitely more powerful to write it down. For me, it's more powerful to feel the feeling of gratitude and the appreciation. You can do both. I know that this technique has been proven by many studies that it actually works and it does change the brain chemistry and it definitely improves mental and emotional health just like all of the other practices mentioned in this podcast all of these practices are going to raise your vibration in a way that is palpable if you haven't already i would really appreciate it if you head over to itunes and give this podcast a quick review and a rating this will help others to find this podcast so that i can keep offering inspiring topics I will, however, be slowing down the frequency of this podcast in the next weeks, eventually to once per month. It's been a great experiment. It's been a great journey to try this out. It's been something I've been wanting to do for quite some time, and it's something I've been intrigued with for a while, but I'm realizing that it's something that I would enjoy doing if I did it less frequently. And so just honoring myself in this process, just the way I hope that you honor yourself in in your processes. And following your own sense of what will work for you and in terms of how frequently you do something at what time of day you do something and making each and everything that you can control in your life work for you in a way that resonates in a way that feels good for you you've been listening to the radiant wellness club podcast i'm Rochelle torsini for now see you next week same time same place